Okay, after another accidental absence, should have backed it back for the review of the New South Wales Championships and the Quokka. We'll start with the Big V, Chris Venuccio, News Corp fame. Big V, how are you? Hello, John. Hello, Phil. Good to, good to be back this week. Indeed. We're glad to have you back. Phil, our punting expert, how are you? I'm, I'm great, John. Pleasure as always to see you both, and I can't wait to hear about how Big V went over there at the Quokka. Yeah, looking forward to that. We'll get into that shortly. We start, as always, with our should-have-backed-its and should-have-sacked-its. Chris, I'll get yours first. Yeah, I'm going to go with my should-have-backed-it, the Jumbuck, and there was quite a few horses I could have picked from Sandown. Because of, because of that predicted weather, I thought the Jumbuck might have been you know, disadvantaged being on the inside, and he was uh, too good, so that's probably one I missed out there. And my sacked-it, I'll go with, uh, Don Colleoni in the Champagne Stakes went with the bigger odds against Militarise, who you know might have been. Uh, I think Militarise is a you know pretty smart horse, but I thought it was a bit short. Yeah, you know, coming from a, a really heavy track to start before, I thought maybe Don Colleoni might have been the better each way chance. I don't know about you, Phil, but all I'm hearing is that he went for the Italian Mafia name and uh, and it's failed him. <laughs> That would be uh, right up Big V's alley, that one. Uh, so my should have backed it also was a horse that won up the inside at Sandown, and that was pinstriped in the gold mile. Uh, I, I did a Big V. I, I backed it in its first two start and then jumped off just when it was about to win. So uh, disappointingly, uh, was not there when it won by a, a good margin there at Sandown, and, and a really good horse, that one, pinstripe, just didn't quite get it at the right time. Um, I should have sacked it was actually in the next race, so I wasn't having a great end to the day there at Sandown. And I was on the favourite, Eagles Crag, and uh, it ran a little bit like the West Coast Eagles are going at the moment, finishing a, a distant last. And, it, yeah, I don't know if it didn't handle the conditions, but it certainly got the drifts late, and I was having... Um, uh, was not happy about my bet, and it got worse and worse as it drifted and as it ran, was never in it. So they're my two for this week. Well, uh, it's good that we covered Sandown. I think we'll probably not get into that card in the uh, in the review here, given that the big races were in Sydney and Perth. Uh, we'll start with the Group 1s in Sydney. So the big race of the day was the All-Age Stakes at Wade for Age, 1,400 metres. The star three-year-old Giga Kick, who uh, had his colours lowered briefly in the TJ Smith earlier in the carnival, was there to conquer Zaki and the rest. Phil, I might start with you. What you make of the race and your thoughts on uh, Giga Kick going forward? Giga Kick, how dominant was that? That was really good. I mean, I mean, it, it had run its placings in the lead-up. Um, we, we thought it was going to come out and do well, and it certainly did that. I was on, personally, was on Zaki, and I actually think that was a a pretty good run for it, given it had had some issues and it was first up. And I certainly won't be jumping off him as, as we move forward. But yeah, Giga Kick certainly showed that uh, that form and that expectation that we were, we, we thought we'd see um, following its Everest win. And yeah, on to bigger and better things now as we move forward, I'd say, with Giga Kick. Cascadians had a really sound autumn as well. They're running a nice third into that race as well. But yeah, I guess the favourite did it in the end and... You know, there'll be a few people with egg on their faces, I think, uh, that didn't think Giga Kick could get the job done. I'm not one of them, and uh, I thought that was a pretty arrogant win by Giga Kick. And I think the only thing that was stopping him from being a good thing was the barrier. Going to 1,400 first time, they were going to ride it 
a little bit conservatively and he, he was second last in the run. So I thought, you know, if he had drawn, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, I probably would have had a, a bigger bet on Giga Kick. Uh, but the way he just won, the way Craig Williams just cruised up on him, you know, I thought the race was over before they hit the home straight and it was just a, a very dominant win. Because you look at the opposition, I thought you could have, you know, find a, a few holes in the opposition. You know, Zaki having a bit of a setback, Cascadian coming back from 2000 to 14. Even Mazu, I had my queries about him at the distance. I, it was just everything was pointing towards Giga Kick. I think the barrier is one of the reasons why we're getting, you know, $3, 320 you know, some might have had to settle for two eighty, two ninety, but I still think that's a, a pretty good price. Now, tell us about my uh, my boy, the uh, the other Group One winner of the day, Militarised, going back to back, putting the champagne stakes on the shelf alongside the size produce. Big V, what did you think of that? Yeah, just another dominant win. I think with Militarised, yeah, the way he's finishing his races is really strong to the line. I think that's going to bode well, and and I think he's by done deal so you know we don't really see a lot of done deals performing a two-year-old as two-year-old so you'd assume that he'd be a better horse as a three-year-old plus and so you know you obvious the obvious target would be a Caulfield Guineas maybe a Cox Plate. Phil do you have any thoughts on that race? Yeah I mean I went into the race a little bit skeptical I mean the form of the of its previous start where we had that track that you just couldn't make any reads on meant that I wasn't willing to take, you know, even money about a two-year-old uh, into that race. But it, I guess, I guess he proved me wrong. Proof is in the pudding. And to steal uh, Big V's comment about Giga Kick, it was a bit of an arrogant win. It just was dominant. And I think now I'd be uh, a little bit more confident about getting into militarised as we move forward. But yeah, I was happy just to watch that one, but, a great win for your. I hope you were on that, John. Oh, look, I was. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it wasn't quite the same joy that the forty dollars the uh, the prior start brought. But yeah, no, no, I was, I was, I had a little lick of that, so uh, we, we, we were protected. All right, boys, it's quacker time. So uh, we'll talk about the race first, and then Chris will get your take from the ground over there. But firstly, uh, Phil, what did you think of the the race um, and uh, and and the, the amazing finish with Overpass just holding out Amelia's jewel? John, I was surprised at how excited I got about the race. I mean, I love my sprints and, you know, actually in the build-up, I thought they timed it perfectly for the Eastern States just after our, our races and you could then feed into the uh, the main event there. And, yeah, you could you could sense the excitement on track as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what Big V has to say about that. You could really hear the atmosphere through the through the speakers but the race itself a blanket finish i think you could have put it thrown a blanket over the first 10 and i mean it's been spoken about a lot over the last week but amelia jewel run obviously was huge from the back uh it's not many horses get beaten running those kind of uh that kind of time in their last sort of couple furlongs but to overpass his credit held on uh deserving winner and a bit of an underrated one overpass i mean that was a strong field and i think we'll see some Group one winners come out of it, not the least of those being Amelia's jewel moving forward. But yeah, I think a great concept. I thought the field was great. And yeah, in the end, we got a really competitive race as well. So I think a lot of boxes were ticked on that one. So what was the atmosphere like, Chris? And uh, how does how does a day at Ascot go? No, it was a great day. And I described it as a parochial crowd because I think the 
It's unlike the Western Australians. Yeah, I thought the locals thought Amelia's jewel got up in that last stride, and I, I was one of them. I thought she might have just got there, but just too much to do. The way the track was playing, it was very tough to to win from back in the field. There's a lot of horses making up ground and getting close, but not you know close enough. They were just running, you know, getting into seconds and thirds. I thought if Amelia's Jewel had a jump from barrier nine as per the original barrier draw, I think she just wins that race. And, you know, that was a bit of a schmozzle. But um, but with Overpass, I mean, that was his first run as a gelding and he's he's had form behind some, you know, pretty good horses like Nature Strip, Giga Kick, even I Wish I Win. But you want to see them, you know, do that as a gelding first up. So you, you look at the top four and you think, you know, they're – They've probably, you know, run to expectations. The only horse that didn't was Uncommon James, but maybe end of prep. That was a that was an, an, an end of prep type run. But I, I I also thought that the race had a bit of a, a long tail as well, having fourteen runners. But we'll we'll talk about more about the Quokka. No, take us there now, mate. Take us take us there now. What what would you take out? What would you change? And I'll get Phil's thoughts after that. Well, I think the prize money distribution is one thing that will, needs to get looked at because you look at the uh, the horse that run, it's $200,000 for a slot and you look at the Asfura running in fourth, picking up 200000 for the, you know, the, when you distribute the money to the trainer, jockey, the owners and the slot holder, I think you're running at a loss. Bella Nipatina in third, maybe breaking even. So I think you need to have a, a structure where at least the top three is making a profit in the slot race. And I think there might have been, you know, there might be some slot holders that might pull out. I think you, you need to go from 14 runners to 12 runners and put that prize money into, you know, fifth to eight. So that hit isn't as bad. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it had a long tail. I actually thought it was a really good field um, f- for that race. And, you know, it would have been a group one race any other time, you know, you had, uh, you know, Uncommon James and a couple others that are group one winners in it. Um, I'm, I'm not as concerned about the prize money. I think you, you're playing to win and you have to give the reward to the, those horses that, that are winning. And I think the first prize purse was about $2 million. So you, it's a bit like Tats Lotto, right? First division, you get a bit. And then if you are, haven't quite cracked it, you're not making profit, but yeah, um, maybe they could do a small tweak to that if it means they're going to get a diminished field. But if they keep getting a strong field like they did this year, then I don't see any particular need to adjust that unless it's some strong industry feedback. All right, we'll move on with no further ado to our review of the championships. We did miss a couple of key shows in the championships, so it's a good time to look back. Uh, we've sort of broken it down into general... Um, general streams of horses so we'll have the sprinters the wait for age middle distance horses and the two and three year olds i'll go through them one by one why don't we start with the uh wait for age horses okay so uh in the end it was dubai honor who uh finally knocked off animo and the queen elizabeth stakes they were both the two wait for age stars of the autumn uh phil i might go to you first what was your uh, take on dubai honor yeah well he came he saw he conquered i mean Probably an argument due by honour was the horse of the autumn, to be honest, with its, its two big wins and two dominant wins and knocking off our local star, Mawunga, 
but then also Animo, of course. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, unfortunately, it just seems that some of these European horses uh, at the middle distance and, and, and further just have us covered. I'd like to see Animo on a better track than that against Dubaiana, but, you know, we didn't get that at the time. And, and to be honest, the wind was so dominant that I, I suspect it wouldn't have made much difference. So it's a bit ominous for us, hopefully uh, not going to be too impactful on what Animo is doing in its future. And I just saw it start value, so perhaps not. But a, di- a bit of it, a little bit disappointing for Team Australia to see Animo go down. Chris, uh, your take? I was really cheering him on. I really wanted Animo to win. And I even watched the replay of the the, the Queen Elizabeth again today. And, and just watching that, I thought at, at one point in the race when I was watching it live, that I, I did think Animo was going to win because when they started to get going, Dubai Honor was really getting scrubbed up and Animo hadn't really been shaken up yet. So, yeah, watching the replay again just confirmed what I was thinking live. And it's just a shame that that Animo's two poorest runs, you know, for want of a better word, have been in the Queen Elizabeth on a you know, really wet track. But it is concerning heading into the spring what our weight for age ranks might be like because we've got Animo will obviously be retired by then. You know, Zaki could be retired, you know, depending on how he goes in Queensland, if he's going there. You know, we've lost I'm Thunderstruck. Al Bodygon, who ran third in the Cox Plate last year, was pretty poor during the autumn. So you just think, you know, what's going to be around? And, you know, Mwanga has got a, a new lease at the moment. So, yeah, but, you know, I don't think Mwanga is, on you know, in the top echelon of the you know Aussie horses so if we're looking at Mwanga being our you know among our top weight for age horses I think it does show that we're you know pretty light on well we'll go to the sprinters now you guys have kind of covered it already but just a quick comment on uh, on the efforts or uh, uh, output of Giga Kick I wish I win and the other sprinters over the carnival I'll start with you Phil well, I wish I win won the grand final in the end, and um, that was probably my favourite win just about of the entire autumn. Uh, obviously, our uh, unlike our um, stock that Big V was just talking about, our sprinting stock is um, as good as ever, and we've seen a bit of a changing of the guard, right? Like we had, you know, our nature strips, um, uh, Eduardo's and other horses that have been dominant in races like the Everest, taken over by well, I Wish I Win, Giga Kick, um, and um, we might see even a couple of uh, younger horses come through like a like a what you need as we get closer to something like the Everest. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens in the spring with the sprinters, but I wish I win. Spoiler alert um, for a segment we're about to have, I th- thought was just one of the more dominant displays in the TJ. Yeah, I think Giga Kick is a horse I'm excited about being a year younger than I wish I win. I think there's a lot more upside with him so we're going to see some good sprinters in the spring you know i wish i win yeah he can even get up to 1500 1600 as well so for him to win the tj smith was impressive and you've also got in secret and maybe aft cabin might be one that you know could be set at those sprint trips now instead of 1400 1600 and you've got to remember 12 months ago we didn't know in we didn't know who giga kick was so hopefully we're going to see you know, another three-year-old or, you know, a couple start to to come out, you know, when we hit the, the new racing season. All right, we'll go to the younger horses. So I'll split it this way. Phil, I'll get your comment on the three-year-olds. So the uh, Derby Oaks, any Derby or Oaks or Guineas runners that 
grabbed your attention over the carnival and then we'll throw to Chris to comment on the two-year-olds. Yeah, well, I was disappointed we missed our last week's episode, guys, because Penny Weaker there in the, in the Oaks was uh, a fantastic win. And talking about going to the queue early, earlier there, Big V, I think at about the 600, she looked absolutely home. So that was an amazing performance. And the New Zealand horses actually did phenomenally over over the carnival. I know we had um, Legato and Imperatries come over and, and perform really well as well. So um, it hadn't been a strategy of mine in the past, John, to, to stick with the New Zealand horses, but it's pretty clear when they uh, come over, they bring over their best and they're definitely competitive. So, um, yeah, great, great uh, autumn for them. But, yeah, that, that win in the Oaks was, was my highlight. Yeah, just going on to the, the two-year-olds now, the, the obvious one is Shinzo coming out of the Golden Slipper, and with you know Chris Waller deciding to to spell him you know straight after the race, I think that will pay dividends for them. He's a horse that you can maybe probably look forward to towards the, the Coolmore on Derby Day. Yeah, also Cylinder as well, the Golden Slipper runner-up, and also um, you know learning to fly. He was unlucky in the Slipper. You know that might be another one that you know you could look at towards the the Coolmore. And even with those three, you know they're being owned by Godolphin and Coolmore. You know they could be also you know options for the the Everest later on. You know, militarize as we touched on earlier. You know you know look towards something like the the Guineas, and you also can't forget King's Gambit. You know, third in the Golden Slipper. You know, might be. You know, could go towards a, a Guineas pathway or also the Coolmore. I'm not sure if the the Snowden Stable knows his his best distance, whether it's up to 1200 or could get up, could stretch out to 14. But as always, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see some late two year olds, early three year olds emerge as well. All right, we're up to the final furlong, guys. So the challenge today, I'm going to get some. Uh, future uh, time capsule predictions from each of you. So I'm just going to get you uh, to name a forecast winner for the Everest, the Golden Eagle, the Cox Plate, and a group one of your choosing. Phil, given that you uh, seem to have your answers ready before I even asked, I'll go to you first. (laughs) Uh, I think you're joking there. I I haven't even looked at prospective future odds for any of these races. Um, I couldn't even tell you who's in the market for the Golden Eagle, for example. But I'll give you one racehorse responses to each without any additional uh, context. So Everest, I wish I win. Cox Plate, Dubai Honor. Golden Eagle, Legato. And I'm going to go for my other group one, the Caulfield Cup. I really like Prowess this autumn, and I want to see it win the Caulfield Cup. There you go. I think that's a pretty solid start there. Yeah, I think Phil prepared his answers. It sounded, it sounded <laughs> like it. But um, for my selections, the Everest, I'm going with Giga Kick, Golden Eagle, Amelia's Jewel. Uh, so for the Cox Plate, I'm going to say an international. I'm sitting on the fence a little bit. Yeah, Dubai Honour is the, the current favourite, but yeah, I think we'll see. I think if an international comes, I think the Cox Plate is ripe for the taking. So any international, and I'm going to look at the, the Champions Mile. I think that's a looks a nice race for Mr. Brightside to go a couple better this year. All right, and why don't I throw in one for the, each of these as well, just to be fair to everyone. So the Everest I'm going to take, I wish I win. Uh, I'll go with Big V on Amelia's Jewel for the Golden Eagle, Militarise for the Cox Plate, 
and uh, <laughs> Phil's already shaking his head. And I'll go a bit wide here. The Spring Championship up at Randwick. We'll take a horse called Townsend that came third behind Militarise. Uh, gentlemen, that, that's a wrap on the New South Wales Carnival. We'll uh, we'll keep you abreast on future shows. But uh, for now, Phil, how do we close out? As always, good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly.